0: It may seem like a simple phrase, and one that most people would go, duh, of course. God cares about you. He really, really does. He cares about you. And I want to talk about that today because although it seems so obvious and so elementary as far as the Christian faith from my perspective, to the level at which we embrace this thought, it changes us, or at least it should. Yes, we do have concerns about things that happen within our natural life, and that's understandable, we're human beings, but those concerns and those things that we feel always get put in the perspective or within the context of the fact that I know that I know that I know God cares about me. And then we can move from the fact that God cares about me and make it more personal. God cares for me. He does things on my behalf. He takes care of things that are important to me. And then we can move to where I think the church needs to be ultimately. From God cares about you to God cares for you to then God can care through you. To other people, and we can be the light and the witnesses we need to be. I've been in James for a while, love the book of James. James has often been called the in your face book because he just kind of tells it like it is. He tells people that if you're sick, you need to pray, and we're going to talk about that in a moment. He tells people that if you don't have any works with your faith, your faith is dead. That's not a soft spoken preacher. He kind of tells it like it is. He opens the book right away in the very first chapter and says, life has trials. Deal with it. That's a paraphrase. (laughs) Basically saying, don't be surprised. That's what life is like about. That's where we get to shine our light and demonstrate that we are more than conquerors when we're faced with things that we need to conquer. But we're not going to talk about that this morning. Book of James, chapter 5, and I'm going to begin reading in verse number 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins... He will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again and the heaven gave rain and the earth produced its fruit. God cares about you. Of all the simple principles we need to take from any reading of the scriptures is that God loves you. God is interested in you. He cares about you. People have a problem embracing this and accepting this, believing it to be true and that it's true with no strings attached. God cares about you. Every need, every issue you face, every feeling you experience. Now, the reason I think many people have uh, a challenge in embracing this is that we don't have that capacity naturally. Our abilities to care, as caring people as we might be or strive to be, our capacity for that can wear thin. We get frustrated. Well, maybe we don't. We're talking about other people today. We get tired. God never does. He never gets tired. He never gets frustrated. He never gives up. He always cares for you. So I want to look today at some of the specific ways that God steps into our lives and truly cares about us. God cares about you emotionally. It opens with Is anyone among you suffering? Now, have you ever been in a situation where someone asked you how you were doing and you were convinced they really didn't want the answer? I'm going to go back into the office and see people I haven't seen tomorrow for 18 months, and we're all going to greet each other with the same thing How are things going? And then we're going to ask that question knowing that we've got about 10 seconds to move on to the next thing. So obviously, we're not truly asking, how are things going? Because how are things going for anyone usually takes more than 10 seconds. I would submit, don't ask the question unless you truly care. But God steps into our lives and he cares. When God came strolling through the garden, looking for Adam, and he asked for Adam, he cared. When he asked Adam, what have you done, he really wanted an answer and a relationship with Adam. What he didn't want was the excuses that came out of Adam and the blame of his wife. Many people will say they care, but part of caring is listening, and God always listens. God cares enough not only to be interested but to show interest and he inquires because God can help. There are many people who will ask the question and they may be interested in listening but they have no ability, no power to change anything in your life. That's never true with God. God can step into any area of your life, any challenge you face and God can change anything. Is anyone among you Suffering. The word literally means afflicted or weak. To suffer pain, hardship, or distress. Dealing with emotional pain. Is it just me or does it just seem there's a whole lot of stress out there? Whole lot of stress. Stress just seems so common today. A 2001 survey showed that 75% of people surveyed experienced what they would classify as great or overwhelming stress weekly. And that within 10 years of that, they did the survey again, and that number went up. Today, it's around 90%. Over 95% of people visit their regular doctor for stress-related issues. Is there some issue in your life? God cares. He truly cares. Is there a dark place in our lives where that it's gripping our hearts and causing us to be in these dark places that generate stress? God cares. Is there a source of great pain, something that's ha- either happened in the recent time or in our distant past, and it's really creating this place that we can't get past, Church, God cares. And what does James say? Is anyone among you suffering? He says what should be the natural initial reaction for the child of God. If you're hurting, if we're in pain, pray. If you're hurting and going through a difficult season, pray. If there's a darkness that we're facing, we need to come to the one who is always able to answer. We pray. Now, the verb tense there for pray is a progressive tense, which means we don't just come, spend 10 seconds in a prayer, and move on. We pray and we keep holding on and we keep praying. We keep praying. It may be a prayer for deliverance, it may be a prayer for strength, it may be a prayer for endurance. Whatever that prayer is, we need to pray. Because we as Christians know that when we pray, we pray to someone who is listening and who cares and who can do something about it. Well, Pastor, I don't know how to pray. Yeah, you do. Well, how do you know I know how to pray? Because you're talking to me right now. And if you can talk to me, you can talk to God. That's what prayer is. Turning our attention Turning off the TV, turning off the cell phone, and talking to Jesus. But we lose our interest in prayer, and we don't pray, and then we start to seek relief the way the world does. Or we come to the place of prayer the way the world comes to the place of prayer. I'm sure you, like I, have known so many people who were not into being Christian. They didn't believe in God. They didn't believe in the church. They didn't believe in Jesus. But when they were in a trial, when they were laying in a bed in a hospital, and you asked them if you could pray for them, they said, sure, please do. Now, we want people who are in that place to be able to experience that. That's an open door. But the reality is, that's not how we as God's people approach prayer. We don't approach it with this hope it works idea. Well, I've tried everything else. I might as well try God. No, we come to him first, and we come to him every single time because we know he cares about me. We pray differently. Luke chapter 12, verse twenty, starting in verse 29. And do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor be nor have an anxious mind. for all these things the nations of the world seek after. and your father knows that you have need of these things, but seek the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. Do we really believe that your Father in heaven knows what we have need of? Most of us know the promise. And the scripture in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, we're called to be anxious for some things. No, we're called to be anxious for nothing. But in everything, bring it to God in prayer. Bring it to God in prayer. And not just bring it to God in prayer. Paul tells the church at Philippi to bring it to God in prayer with thanksgiving letting your request be made known to god and what has god promised that the moment you pray about it it's going to be answered that the moment you pray it's going to be resolved no what he promises you and me is that the moment you pray there will be a peace that passes all understanding and that peace will guard your heart and your mind and don't we live in a day when our hearts and minds need to be guarded need to be protected from the nonsense and the mindsets that are out there today this has just been my experience usually the biggest issue people have when issues arise is not the issue it's our reaction to it usually when we hear of a storm coming the issue is not the storm it's what's going to happen will my roof cave in will there be a flood will i be able to get food what will happen to my electricity i mean does god really want me to be in a place where i sit at home and have no cable or internet would god do that to me I agree. Maybe (laughs) usually the biggest issue with our issues is not the issue. It's what we're bringing to it. It's the emotions that go racing as they come up. But God has promised you peace, peace. Someone asked this week because our whole team is coming back into the office. Do you have any concerns about coming into the office? I go, no. Not even a little? No. But what if something goes wrong? I serve God. But what if something happens, and what if you get into the city, and you get onto the subway platform, and it's overcrowded with people? And you can't do this social distancing thing. What if all that comes to pass? You know, we could... Really just destroy our entire lives with those ugly two words, what if? We really can just take anything and just blow it out of proportion. Every step that I take for over 40 years now has been in the hand of God. I didn't share that with with, with my coworkers, but if God could keep me for three weeks in one of the most dangerous places on the planet to preach the gospel in Indonesia, the subways of New York City are not going to give me any concern. Because it gives me a peace. Now, I'm going to be wise as much as I can, but I have a peace in me. So I like the phrase, don't stress about it, pray about it. Then he asks, is anyone among you cheerful? You know, it can really help in dark days to know that just as we sang, isn't God good? Isn't God good? And we're called not just to enjoy that goodness, but to sing about that goodness. He says, is, is, is God being good to you? Are you cheerful? Then sing some songs. People tend to come to him or come to God only when there's a need. I love to spend time in his presence just saying thank you. Most of the time, when we begin our prayer time on Wednesday nights, we spend the first part of it just saying thank you, giving him praise for all the things that he's done for us because we could spend hours just doing that. We can't be a people who only come to God when there's a problem or only come to God when the sun's not shining but we need to come to him when it is shining if you are happy give him praise if you can smile today give him praise if you can think of two things that are going well in your life give him praise if you can think of one thing that's going well in your life give him praise If you can't think of anything that's going well in your life, church, give him praise. Because if you can't think of one thing, I can give you one thing. Jesus cares about you. Give him praise. If you have love in your heart, give him praise. Well, Pastor, I don't know about that one. I got a lot of people in my life that I really can't stand right now. And that's okay. If we looked at your list of people you can't stand and I asked them, you'd probably be on their lists. But as far as having love in your heart, for the Christian, I ask one question, is Jesus in your heart? Then give him praise. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15. Therefore, by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. The sacrifice of praise. God cares about you physically, um, emotionally. And aren't you glad in practical, everyday terms, God also cares about you physically? Is anyone among you sick? The early church was known for having this mindset that when someone was physically ill or taken down, they were concerned for people's well-being physically, especially their health. It said if you are sick, call for the elders. That was the church structure they were dealing with then. Basically, the divine plan, and hear me on this, the divine God-ordained plan when you are sick is to not be alone. And isn't that the exact opposite of what most people do in this day? When they're not well, when they're not in their right place, when they're not having the best of days, leave me alone. That's not God's plan. The pastor, when I'm sick, I'm grumpy. You need to not be alone. But when I'm grumpy, I say the wrong things. You need to not be alone. The divine plan is, when you are sick is to not be alone. The divine plan when you are sick is to not hide the fact that you are sick. But I don't want to tell everybody my business. They don't tell everybody, but there needs to be a circle. There needs to be a place where God's people can share. Now what's interesting in that passage is the responsibility for coming forth is not the elders of the church, is not the church. It's the person who's sick. If we want healing, it starts with doing things God's way. Well, I just want to be alone with God, and I'll tell him my issues, and I'll tell him that I'm sick, and he can come and heal me. I'm asking you to find that process in the word of God. Let me help you out. You won't. Now, this doesn't just apply to physical health. It applies to mental health. It applies to emotional health and the like, especially the kind of emotional and mental issues that can make you sick. And how many know stress can cause physical health issues? How many know emotional pain can cause physical health issues? Now, the anointing they talk about in in the book of James there in that passage was common practice in the early church. Oil was used as a symbol of the Spirit's presence. Also, not only of the Spirit's presence, but of the Spirit's power. Then James says, And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. So when you ask and you need to believe in what you're doing, again, as I said before, when we come to the altar in prayer, when we come to that place of prayer, We don't come to it with a hope-it-works mindset. Well, I went to the doctor. I spoke to a few friends. I watched something on TV. I might as well pray. That's not our mindset. We come to God first and come to him knowing that God does things in our lives. It's not a hope-it-works moment. The sick person comes, and people praying need to believe also. This is not just a ritual or a ceremony. These are God's people coming together because they care about each other and they know God cares about them. Divine healing is part of the gospel. I'm going to say that again. Divine healing is part of the gospel. Now, I want, uh, but you know me, I'm going to be balanced. We all know not everybody gets healed. At least, not in the way we think they should get healed. Because if everybody got healed of physical ailments and no one ever got sick, you can then make the argument that the Bible is teaching no one's ever going to die. And the Bible's clear about that. There's appointed a point of the day for that. But we come to God because we know it's part of the gospel by His stripes. We are healed. In fact, let's read that passage. Isaiah 53, verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, church, by his stripes, we are healed. Let's never lose sight of the fact as to why the person that comes to the place of prayer and comes to the people of God is raised up. Because Jesus does the work. It's not because there's any magic in me or any magic in you. It's because Jesus did something and he's doing something today in your life. God must always receive all of the glory. God cares about you emotionally. God cares about you physically. And again, this should be obvious. God cares about you spiritually. He cares about you in many ways, but your spiritual needs, your spiritual makeup is at the top of his list. And the reason? Because everything else we've talked about is temporary. One day you won't have the bodies you have now. Some of us are saying, Thank you, Jesus. but the spirit lives on. He wants, God wants to come into our lives and clean us up inside and out and he wants our spirit person to have a clear focus and that starts with something so many people just don't want to do. According to James, that starts with confessing faults. Didn't think I'd get an amen on that one because like it or not, and we're going to live the way God wants us to and experience this healing power, we need to live transparently. How will you combat discouragement? Not alone. How will you overcome temptation? Not alone. How will you rise to new heights in the Lord? Not alone. How does the devil want to deal with you? Alone. Just you and him. That's how he wants to deal with you. Confessing our faults keeps us humble. And also lets us know that we're not the only ones who struggle. Everybody deals with something. Everybody. Unless you're not breathing. Then you're not dealing with anything. So if you're not breathing right now, this is not for you. But everyone deals with something. But in wisdom, we need to be careful. I found this wonderful story. Four preachers met for a friendly gathering. During the conversation, one preacher said, our people come to us and pour their hearts out and confess certain sins and needs. Let's do the same with each other. Confession is good for the soul, they said. In due time, all four agreed. One confessed he liked to go to movies that were not proper and would sneak away from his church even at times to do so. The second confessed to liking to smoking cigars. And the third one confessed to an issue with pornography. When it came to the fourth one, he wouldn't confess anything. The others pressed him, saying, come on, we confessed our deepest sins. What is your secret vice? Finally, he said, okay, my secret vice is gossip, and I can't wait to get out of here. I thought that was a great story. (laughs) I can't wait to get home. I can't wait to get on Twitter. I can't wait to get on Facebook. Because most people would agree with the other sins that those preachers commented. But if you look at many places within the New Testament where Paul lists different vices, it's amazing to me how he will lump murder and adultery, and pornography, and all kinds of sexual sin, and then say gossip and envy. But we tend to pick and choose. Not just this pastor. We all have the responsibility of praying for one another's needs. And church, one another's struggles and hurts. When Christians are really working to share each other's problems, And each other's troubles. The world takes note. The world sits up and that's a community. That's a family. And we come closer, as Paul told the church at Galatia, to fulfilling the law of Christ. Loving your neighbor as yourself includes praying for that neighbor and being transparent with that neighbor. And they were told about effective and fervent prayer that it produces much. In this context, who is righteous? Again, let's keep it in context. The context of being righteous and fervent here is the one who's confessing his sin and is forgiven. The one who has humbled himself before God and others. And the one who will not think himself too highly or too high of himself. The first step to becoming righteous is admitting that you're not. The first step to becoming holy is admitting that you're not. The first step to getting to the place where you need to be in God is admitting you're not in the place where you need to be in God. And for us, prayer is not the last resort. It's the first step. God cares about you emotionally. God cares about you physically. God cares about you spiritually. And today I will conclude that God cares about what you care about. Prayer is indeed powerful. And he says, as a point of example, remember Elijah. Elijah knew great power in prayer. Just think about that. You pray for it to stop raining, and for three and a half years, it doesn't rain. And then you pray, and it rains think of the tv coverage you would have a drought came as a sign to king ahab a sign that the idol baal was weak and non-existent that truly the god of abraham controlled things and elijah prayed that it would not rain and it didn't and then elijah prayed that it would rain and it did Yet the key point here that James is bringing out as we can have this tendency to over-idolize and lift Elijah up is that Elijah was just like you and me. He was no better. He was no more spiritual. He was someone just like you and me. He was no more special or no more important to God than we are. And we too can come to his throne and bring things that matter to you and me. Why? Because he cares about you prayer and from what I'm told from my wife that was the theme of the ladies fellowship on Friday prayer it's our most powerful privilege it's also our most powerful weapon and it's our most supreme call our lives changed through prayer our homes changed through prayer our families changed through prayer Our friends change through prayer. This nation will change through prayer. And I leave what's most important to me for last. His church will change through prayer. And since this is true, what I'm going to urge you all to do is pray. This is how we live our lives. Prayer is not just something Christians do, it's critical to who we are. Critical. We need to have lives that are bathed in prayer, saturated in prayer. Let prayer be our purpose, let prayer be our passion, and let prayer be our practice. The reason that we can be powerful and effective in prayer is because God cares. We're not just talking to four walls. We're not just talking to nature if we're walking outside. We're not just walking on the beach and looking at the ocean if we're praying. We're talking to Jesus. That's why Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, we all know the verse, it's probably on a mug or something in our home, casting all your cares upon him because he cares for you. God cares about what matters to you. He cares about you in all ways. So why should we pray? Because God cares. Why should we pray for other people? Because God cares. Why is prayer so powerful, church? Because God cares about you and about me. Stand with me, please. Why did we pray?